Welcome to Sentences, a writing podcast. And for our second webinar, which was recorded on August of 2022, we discuss applying to private schools here in the Bay Area. And we were fortunate enough to be joined by three awesome educators, Valley Govier, a math tutor, Rihanna Bates, an admissions consultant, and Alex Trempus, a college counselor. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Welcome to our webinar. Thank you so much for signing up and um, for, uh, for participating in this great event. Um, we're excited to do this. We, we've been planning the whole week and we are just, you know, raring to go. So um, we're, we're going to start with just a couple of introductions. We have uh, four um, educators here and parents as well. Um, and we would like to, um, first of all, just welcome you all. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, do quick introductions. And each of us has a part um, in, in terms of giving information about this, this process, which can be very nerve-wracking but very rewarding as well. So I'll start. My name is Chino. To those of you who know me, who've been to Sentence Center, I run Sentence Center and we are a writing school, a virtual writing school for kids from grades one all the way to grade nine. So we help kids with writing um, from a young age and all the way to high school. And um, I'm going to hand it over to my other co-hosts to introduce themselves and the great things they do with kids. Um, Hi, I'm... Oh, sorry, Valley, go ahead. I'm Valley Govia and I run Math for Girls. We do um, private tutoring for girls from third grade to eighth grade. We also do math clubs via Zoom. And, um, and yeah, so, and I have a little team of five people who helped me and uh, and I'm so glad to be here and excited to share my information with you. I'm Brianna, um, I run Luminous Minds. I tutor mostly middle school and high school, some college students um, in test prep, um, academic support, a lot of writing. Um, I do high school and college applications, and I'm getting my certification as an independent educational consultant. So I'll be moving into high school and college admissions advising over the next year. And good evening, everyone. My name is Alex Peters Trumpus. I'm a private college counselor. This is my first year transitioning to private practice. Prior to that, I actually worked with our two wonderful co-hosts as a college counselor at International High School in San Francisco. So I'm here to sort of provide a really big picture overview of what's happening, not right now, but just a few years down the path so we can sort of have the right mindset and talk about course selection, figure out next steps as it pertains to, you know, the right fit for high school. Great, great. Thank you so much. Um, so we will begin. So the bulk of this uh, webinar will be focused on just the private high school process. And, and just a side note, this is a, you know, this is a project that all of us started. Um, it's close to my heart just because I have kids who have gone through the private high school process. I used to teach in a private high school. So I know it from the standpoint of a teacher and then as a parent. And now I, my son just graduated from international high school. He's going to college and with the help of Alex, of course. And I still have a, a daughter 
in private high school. So I'm, I'm still in that same realm. Um, and like I said, it, it's close to my heart just because um, I've been in it. And um, the, the genesis of this webinar is that I do get a lot of questions from parents and I'd like to help, but we'd like to help. Um, and, um, and most of these, hopefully most of your questions will be answered today. So what we're gonna do is if you have any questions as we are moving along, as we are presenting, feel free to, to, to send a, a message in the chat. And from there, we'll compile your questions. And at the end of the webinar, we'll have time to answer your questions, whether it's a written question or it's something that you would like to ask um, after the presentation is made. We'll also send you, a, you know, all the materials that we presented here, um, any spreadsheets, any slideshows that, um, that you see, we'll give you links to those two, plus a, um, a handout that you can see easily. Um, along with the things that you can do starting right now. So without further ado, I'm, I'll introduce Rihanna, who, is, um, who is, is going to do the bulk of the presentation. And she's going to focus on the process and the things that you need to do. So Rihanna, take it away. Okay, we will get started. Okay, so... Basically, where we're going to start is where we are right now. Um, a lot of private high schools, which includes like independent and Catholic schools, are just about to or have within the past few days opened their um, application portals. So most local schools are on Ravenna. Um, I do have a link to a spreadsheet with a whole bunch of information about whether schools are on Ravenna. Um, their admissions profiles, dates for signing up for open house for applications and all of that. So, um, you know, when you see the links in this, um, we're going to send out this slideshow and you'll be able to click and actually look at it. And I'll probably show you at the end. But the first thing you want to do is make a Ravenna account because that way you can add the schools you're interested in. You can find out when signups open for shadow visits and open houses. And also you can get access to the application. Generally, um, most schools publish their info on September 1st, um, but a few have done so a little early this year. Um, it's good to know that like shadow visit, interview, and open house spots do go pretty quickly, and that's why the dates they're open are pretty important. Um, so, uh, you know, check the spreadsheet. If it's not on the spreadsheet, which I think I have dates for, you know, most local schools, check the school's website, um, add them on Ravenna. And make sure to put that date in your calendar because as soon as the dates come up, you really want to sign up. And as soon as the applications come online, you want to familiarize yourself with what's involved. Um, so you will have to fill out um, student and family profiles. Um, there will be a personal statement that most schools on Ravenna will accept and schools will ask short answer questions, um, which usually involve why you want to attend the school and Chino will um, cover more of that later. Also, you're going to need recommendations from teachers and administrators. Typically, it's two teacher recommendations and one administrator recommendation. Some Catholic schools want to see a clergy recommendation, although that's usually optional, and all of those requirements will be on the admissions portal. So just a little rundown of how Ravenna works. Um, you visit Ravenna Hub, create an account, complete the student profile, which will go to all the schools you're applying to. You select your region, San Francisco Bay Area, and then you add the schools you're interested in. 
And then through Ravenna, you can request admissions materials, lookbooks, um, and to be um, to receive information about, you know, open houses, um, signups, interviews, and all of that. So after Ravenna um, opens and schools start publishing their applications is a really great time to get organized with deadlines, with essays, with everything that you're going to have to complete. I recommend that families create a Google folder um, for all of the essays and a doc for each school that a student is applying to and paste in the essay topics and the word or character counts for those essays. Um, I created a sample spreadsheet that um, parents can use to track the essays in progress, set kind of like when they want the student to do things and keep track of what's finished and not finished, which I think is a great idea. That way you can look at it and just have an overview of like what, you're, what you've done, what you need to do, and basically like when things are due, what's finished and what's in progress. It's a really good idea to prepare for both shadow visits and interviews. So with shadow visits, um, students will have a student host and that student host will actually be asked about their experience with the um, visiting student during the day. So it's really important that your students are ready to ask questions, that they've done research on the school, that um, they participate in class. The student hosts are asked about student participation. So that's pretty important. And for interviews, it's also really important to have answers ready to some very common questions like, you know, what are your intellectual interests? What do you like to read? What do you like to do outside of school? And also to be able to say what they like about a particular school. Um, I highly recommend, you know, parents and kids practicing together, but also just to kind of like better simulate the interview process. Ask an adult who is not, you know, a parent to actually conduct a mock interview of about 20 minutes. Um, students will need to, you know, make eye contact, be forthcoming, have, you know, somewhat um, developed answers to questions. And it's a really good idea to rehearse. That way it's less of a shock going into an interview. And one of the things you'll be doing um, in September, October, most likely, is asking for teacher recommendations. Um, a lot of schools are specific that they want an English teacher or a math teacher. Others just want two teachers. And most schools will also ask for a school administrator. It's really important to communicate to your recommender um, where the, the recommendation is going, who to send it to, any requirements. Some recommenders will ask you for, you know, information about the student's activities or, you know, they might have um, further requests of you. And make sure to get all that squ squared away well in advance. You don't want to be asking for recommendations right before winter break in December. Financial aid. So I think probably the most important thing you need to know for fin financial aid is that for most schools, the first application, the preliminary application is due in January. You will need your 2021 tax documents ready to go. And then some schools will request your 2022 tax returns as early as the beginning of February. <laughs> some of them are much more lenient and ask for them by April 15th check these deadlines because if you miss their deadline, you might not be considered for financial aid at all and schools tend to not look kindly on anyone who misses the cutoff and you don't wanna to have to go through that. Um, most independent schools in the area um, asked parents to submit the 
parents' financial statement via um, the school and student services website, which also merged with um, TADS recently. So that's one portal. And you can visit the private high school info spreadsheet that we're sending out and figure out if your school is on SSS and TADS or if it's through a different portal. But make sure you get everything ready and done early to save headaches. There are a lot of questions about testing this year. And one of the interesting things that's happened in the past two years since the pandemic started is testing has gone from highly recommended and mandatory to optional to test blind for the majority of schools. And I would even say most Bay Area schools are currently completely test blind, meaning taking the SSAT and the ISEE will not help you with admissions. Scores are not accepted. I've included all the information about which schools are test required and test optional and um, you know test blind in the spreadsheet. Um, the exceptions I found, Harker and Athenian require either the SSAT or ISEE. Pinewood requires just the ISEE. They do have a special administration date that students applying there can sign up to. So check your requirements, but most likely if you are applying to an independent school that takes the SSAT or ISEE, um, you, your student won't need to take it. Um, exception would be if you're applying to boarding schools, either um, elsewhere in California or on the East Coast, you, your student will probably have to take these tests. But if you're just applying locally, maybe not. Um, most Catholic schools used to require the HSPT, and now some do and some don't. So check the spreadsheet. Um, the requirement there is students are only allowed to take the HSPT once. Um, they take it at one of the schools they are applying to, and then that school shares the results. Um, HSBT has been given at December 3rd at St. Ignatius and Sacred Heart. It's been given later in January, January 21st, January 28th at Bellarmine, and there are also a few other sites that are um, administering it in those times. So you sign up through the for the HSBT through the admissions portal for your school. It is so incredibly important to assess school fit because there are a lot of really great schools in the Bay Area. Many of them have different focuses and many of them are best for certain students. Research is really key. And if you haven't started researching, I would highly recommend that you start digging in. Um, on the, you know, the big spreadsheet, um, I have links to school profiles, lookbooks, admissions videos, some virtual tours. It's really important to start looking around and, you know, Note how you and your student respond. You know, what do you like about the school? You know, what do you think of the location? What programs do they have that are fascinating? Do they have the extracurriculars and sports your students want? Um, I did look at some parents' reviews on Niche and Berkeley Parents Network. There is some helpful stuff on there. There's some less helpful stuff on there. Um, but it might be one way to get a view of what the school is actually like day to day. Um, the academic and social fit are really important for your child. They're also really important for the school who's assessing your student. Some schools in the Bay Area are very academic and very competitive. That is not the best environment for everybody. Some are very much focused on athletics. Um, some have great, you know, workshop or arts or theater programs. And some are better at support for students with learning differences, ADD or ADHD. 
Um, and then there are also schools that deal with students who maybe have more moderate learning differences or other, you know, pretty serious life challenges that they're working around. So it's really important to make sure that the school that you're applying to really has the same focus and the same kind of culture that your student is going to thrive in. And I can't overestimate this enough. Talk to people, talk to other parents whose students go to these schools. You know, if your child has a friend or the, you know, their friend has an older sibling who's gone to the school, talk to them, see what their experience was, see what the parent's experience was. Also, your school counselors are a tremendous resource because they have relationships with these schools and they can tell you your school's track record with getting into these schools. They also have an idea of how many schools, uh, how many students from that year are applying, which is important because many schools, especially the competitive ones, might only take three students from a certain school, you know, or seven students from a certain school. So the counselor will know hey, we have a ton of people applying to the school or actually, you know, this year we don't have so many. So maybe it's a better shot. If you still need advice, consult an independent counselor, but please, please, please talk to people you know and talk to your school counselors and teachers and get information from them because it will really help you. Other factors to consider in choosing a school is cost. <laughs> there is a big range of costs. Um, I've put the tuitions for most various schools in the spreadsheet, not all of them. Some Catholic schools charge, you know, 25K or a little less. A lot of independent schools call, charge 50K or a little more. Financial aid varies very widely at these schools. All of them have financial aid applications, but the amount of financial aid they give and the percent of people who apply is it just varies. It's all over the place. So please consider um, their financial aid program. Get in touch with the actual financial aid officers at the school if you have questions about, you know, your situation and, um, you know, just like the, the likelihood of, of getting the amount of financial aid you want. Location and transportation are super important because students are going to be doing extracurriculars. They're going to be doing sports. You do not want like a 90 minute one way commute to school and back because that's really going to cut into what your student can do. Um, some schools actually offer um, shuttle passes or actual shuttles included in tuition. So that's something to check out on the website if it's in a location that let's say is, you know, 15 minutes from BART in the Oakland Hills, because that might be something that's provided. Diversity of the student body and faculty are also an important thing to consider. Um, and most schools are very upfront about what their diversity statistics are and the makeup of their student body. Size is an important consideration because not everyone thrives at a small school and not everyone thrives at a big school. Um, small schools might have more personal attention, larger schools might have more opportunities. So that's an important thing to consider. Um, for some people, technology is quite important, you know, uh, what their programs are in terms of, you know, laptops, integrating technology into the classroom, keeping track of assignments. Um, so that's worked into, worth looked into. And also look at parent engagement. Some schools have, you know, incredibly engaged parents who are like running fundraisers and doing events and running all these committees. And that's kind of the culture there. And that might be great for you. Or you might be like, wow, that's kind of a lot. Um, looking at how well school admins and teachers really communicate with parents. How often are their parent-teacher conferences? Um, how do they keep the communication flowing? I think those things are all really valid um, and play into what schools are looking for from families. So there's a question of like, how many schools do I apply to? And I think that really depends on how many selective schools your child is applying to. 
Select in the Bay Area generally means that a school has five to seven applicants for each available spot. Crystal Springs, Harker, and UHS cite that that's about their ballpark. Um, St. Ignatius is moderately selective. They have about three applicants per spot. Some schools only have one or two applicants per spot. Um, strange thing about admissions um, or yeah, admissions numbers is not every school is up front and they're kind of hard to find. Um, I've linked to a bunch of admissions FAQs. So, you know, if it's there, you can find it. But um, not every, I mean, this might be a good question for your school counselors. Like, what is the admissions um, track record from your particular middle school and, you know, how many people they admit? Um, you can also talk to the admissions administrators for the school and they might be, um, they might be able to give you more info. But in general, the more selective schools your student is applying to, the more applications you should admit uh, because you don't want to end up with, you know, one choice or, you know, no choices. Um, if you're applying to four schools, that could be okay if one or two are selective. Um, if you're applying to mostly selective schools and you're getting into boarding schools, you're probably going to be applying to seven to eight. Most families I work with apply to between five and seven, and that's pretty typical for San Francisco, you know, or, or Marin. So what are schools looking for? Past academic performance is really important, especially the more academic a school is. Um, schools will look at students' grades from seventh grade in the first semester of eighth grade. They do ask for transcripts. They will look at teachers' recommendations for how your student does in the classroom. Um, how engaged are they? Um, most schools do not consider test scores, so that's no longer part of the assessment. Character and fit are hugely important. Schools are looking for kids who will thrive there, who really fit the mission of the school and will contribute to the community. Um, and they're looking for parents who are going to fit in and, and also contribute to the community and, and be a great fit for the school's values. Um, and the student's character is important. They want students who are passionate about things, who have varied interests, who um, some schools are very intent on getting students who are involved in the community and do service work. Um, they all want students who are mature, who are self-motivated, who can deal with challenges, you know, who can ask questions and come to adults when they need help. Um, and intellectual curiosity and a strong sense of who they are as a person is also desired. So, you know, students who are a little mature for their age are definitely um, very much desired. And then some schools are really looking for special strengths, talents, and interests. Like, for example, if you're going to a school that is really centered on sports, they will look at athletic involvement. For those that are more focused on service, they're going to look at what is the depth of your involvement in, you know, volunteer work in the community. There are schools with very strong STEM programs, so they're going to be looking at your performance in math or science and what you've done outside of the classroom. And if you're applying to a program with a, you know, workshop or performing arts focus, they're looking at have you, you know, had experience with like dance or music or those kinds of things. And those can make you a very good fit for a particular school. Also, schools consider other factors like family connections. If siblings go to the school, it's not a guaranteed in, but it does give you some weight in terms of admissions. Um, and schools are pretty upfront about that. They're like, you know, you, you get a certain amount of preference, but it's not like you're absolutely, you know, going to get the, you know, the next sibling in. Um, alumni connections to the school um, are really important. I mean, admissions is also a numbers game. So like the total number of applicants in the space is available is important. And 
any school that has a lower school or a middle school attached, it depends on, you know, the number of spaces depends on how many students from the middle school are continuing on. So for uh, schools like Crystal Springs, you know, or Nueva, that might have a um, big effect on the actual number of spaces available. Um, schools are always looking for a diverse applicant pool. So that plays into their admissions decisions. And the connections from a student's middle school. Some schools are feeder schools. Again, because they like to diversify their pools, they might only take a certain number of students from each school. So another reason to talk to your school counselors about that. In general, you know, this is just a timeline kind of like laid out for, you know, what's going on. You really want to be researching, creating a Ravenna profile, figuring out if you need to test or not. And then past that, keep an eye on deadlines. Um, the earliest deadlines are actually in November. So some of the big Catholic schools in the area do require everything in November, except for financial aid. Um, most schools in the Bay Area agreed on a common date of January 12th, which is the date that applications and financial aid forms have to be in. So um, check the, the big spreadsheet for all the dates, you know, add your schools on Ravenna and make sure you have everything in order. Most um, schools in the Bay Area will report admissions decisions on March 17th of next year, along with financial aid. And then you have a week, <laughs> just a week, to um, send in your um, registration and your deposits. And it's kind of a crazy week. So <laughs> be prepared for that and, you know, to make some decisions. And if you have any questions, please put them in the chat. Um, you can reach out to me. Um, this spreadsheet has my email address and we'll also be sending this out um, after the meeting for people to, um, you know, be able to reference later. Okay, thank you very much. And um, if you guys have any questions, like 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 um, Rihanna said, please um, ask it through the chat. We will have time to go over all of your questions and answer them. I know that seems like a lot, um, but you know it's it's early that it's good that you guys are thinking about this early. Um, it, it's good to get the process started early, and part of the process will be writing an essay or the student essay. So that's my portion um, because we deal with writing. And what, what, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna show you what um, your kids um, are going to have to do in terms of writing an essay. And also a surprise part um, when it comes to parents as well. So um, let me just go ahead and share my screen. So first thing I would like to share is this is the type of essay or the type of writing that your, your, your kids are going to have to be doing in the application process. So um, what I did was, like I said, both my kids went through this process. Um, so I dug up old files of, the, of their applications plus their essays, and it was a good trip down memory lane just looking at what they did um and at the same time it it you know i did remember that we did need to put a lot of work into it but the good thing about it is that we were able to start early so it was not overwhelming at the end and i'll, I'll get to that in a bit so um these are from a combination of these three schools like wilmerding university high school and crystal um most of the prompts have remained consistent throughout the years so what you're going to see here is a combination of 
what my kids did and at the same time what what's out there right now um so th for the writing portion um it's usually divided into three so you have the short you have the medium we call it the medium part and then you have the long big one so the short one um it's fun it's supposed to be a fun part of the application if your kids like this kind of thing it's uh it's a sentence completion so um they would like to know about you better um limit each response to 100 characters or less so one thing i always tell parents i always tell kids pay attention to the limits just because when you copy and paste it into ravenna or whatever application you have they're gonna cut it at 100 so you want you know if you have more than 100 it's going to be cut so examples of these sentence completions are my greatest strengths are and then you'd have to complete the sentence my greatest challenge is so it's still it's it, it's very open-ended and um it also um it's a test of creativity i like to think of it that way um one of my favorites is blank is my hero because so you have to fill in this blank so whether it's Simone Biles, um, whether it's 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 a, another sports hero or an author, um, and they have to justify it in that short response. So they're going to get about ten of these. Next, you have the short answers. So these are the medium um, uh, pieces of writing that they have to do, um, and you have two prompts here. I I won't go over them, but one thing I will. Um, Stress is again the the limit, the word limit. Each response is now sixteen hundred characters. Um, now, Lick Wilmerding has their um, short answer question here. Um, I think this is from two schools. What have you learned from someone who has a totally different perspective or background from you? So, sixteen hundred characters is about one paragraph, uh, one short paragraph. Um, and you know they can you know they 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 need to learn how to focus how to have a specific topic in mind topic sentence and um, you know and and one piece of evidence would be good and finally the big one the essay question um, they would need to answer one of about three prompts and the essay is three thousand characters or less and I'll I'll show you just so you have a frame of reference what that looks like but. Um, there are two types of questions. One is the more creative, react to a quote kind of question. Eleanor Roosevelt said, you must do the thing you think you cannot do. Tell us about the time when you had the courage to try something you weren't sure you could do. So here they're asking for a narrative because you're asked, they're writing about the time. So basically they're, they're, all, they're, they're asking kids to tell stories about themselves. It's not different from what they have to do when they have to write their college essays. Um, it's, they, they want to paint a good picture about the applicant. So the best way to do this is through a story. Um, or you could just go, you know, you could have them this, you write an informative um, and they can describe an interest, talent, or skill that brings you joy. One that you believe your application would be incomplete without sharing. So here it could be a straight on description what they like to do, any interests, any talents, if they love to um, punch trees in Minecraft, for example, um, which leads to coding, they can write about that. 
Um, if you're applying to St. Ignatius, um, I believe, and, and, and Rihanna, correct me if I'm wrong, they get more applicants than most independent schools just because of the size of the school. So I would think that um, they have more essays to read or more applications to read. So their writing sample is shorter, not to exceed 250 words. And this prompt has been with them for, I would say, more than 10 years. I always see this every year. Kids come to me. Um, and they have the option to do this prompt. There's another prompt. So um, this is their creative prompt, which is a reporter from a major newspaper is interviewing, interviewing you and the story is about your life. So you're writing a newspaper article with you as the focus. Now, just to give you a visual, this is the essay that my daughter Maya wrote uh, two years ago. And um, it is an essay. It's a total of 554 words. So it, it's sort of in that 600 word limit. And um, it's 2,954 characters to be exact. So your child will be writing, or at least if they'll be applying to independent schools, they'll be writing an essay about this length, okay? So um, one thing that's super important, which Rihanna already said, once you know, once you make that Ravenna account and you have access to the application, applications, start copying and pasting these questions. Because as you can see, it's, it can be a lot of work. You don't want to do it the week before the deadline. Um, and, you know, have your kids start thinking about the topics already, even if they don't start writing the drafts. So that's for um, the student essay. So again, if you have any questions, put it in the chat. Now I have something also to add. Um, and this is not only for, I mean, the application is not only for the student, but you parents will have a part to play. So actually Rihanna reminded me of this um, when we were coming up with this webinar. And she did say, don't parents have to write an essay as well? And I sort of blocked it out of my mind and maybe because it was a lot of work, but uh, but she she reminded me and said, oh, yeah. So I dug up again and here we are. Oh, no, this is sorry. This is not the one I wanted to share. That's the one I this is the one I wanted to share right here. So um, these are samples of questions that some schools are going to be asked. So, yes, you are going to have to write an essay for your child. It's going to be fun. So don't worry. Um, so, for example, for Lick, they're going to ask, kindly write the recommendation for the applicant that shares your perspective on the child's strengths and challenges. Express why Lick Wilmerding would be a positive educational experience for his, her academic, social, and personal growth. So, basically, it's a combination of write the recommendation for your child and why Lick? Why did you choose us? Uh, Crystal Springs, very popular school. <laughs> you have the 250-word Mini, a medium essay, because this is about a paragraph each. So we have six core values. Please choose two to three values that resonate most with your family. So that will entail some research. You'll have to go on their website and all that fun stuff. And then CSUS relies upon voluntary, volunteerism and charitable contributions as essential parts of partnership with families. So basically, they're asking what are you going to do for us? Um, fair question, I guess, for some schools. And there's always the catch-all essay, 
please share any information that will help us know your child better. So, you know, if something happened, uh, family circumstances, um, uh, you, your child repeated the grade or, or whatever, and you would like to explain this, then this is where you can do, the, do so. Now, St. Ignatius, much shorter. They have four questions, 80 words. So this is a very short paragraph, maybe one or two sentences. Um, and it's basically why SI, um, you know, what, what do you love most about your child? Um, and they ask about community as well, because they're big about they're, they're Catholic community. Uh, and they want to know how you will contribute to that community. So those are the two, two parts. When you say, when, when, we, when the essay, when the application looks for essay writing, it's not only your child, parents will have to do um, essays as well. So it's always good, like I said, it's always a good idea to start early so you can start thinking about it and you can start creating drafts. So um, so that's for the English portion. So I'm going to hand it over now to Valley, who's going to talk about the math portion. Yes. Hello, everyone. I hope that you have a pencil and paper handy because we're going to do a math problem together. And so, oops, no, that's not what I want. It's something else. I'm going to share this with you. Okay. So, um, and please chime in this. I know you've all been really quiet up to now, but this is where I want you to chime in. So what, what schools are looking for nowadays are problem solvers and not human calculators. And so these are some of the problems that I give to my students. And so it says, can you solve this problem? And you can see a number of red dots and black dots and blue dots. So each of the colored dots represent a digit. So for example, if the red is, um, uh, all the red dots will be the same digit, uh, the black dots will be the same digit and the blue dots will be the same digit. So how is it that we're gonna work out a problem like this. And hopefully some of you are scribbling away, trying to figure stuff out. This might be taking you to an area of your brain where you're just, you know, struggling, but in a good way, or you're trying to think of different ways that you might be able to do this. So if anyone brave enough <laughs> wants to chime in with something that we can do to tackle part of this problem, please do so. Anyone have any ideas on how we can do this? There's a lot of different methods. And so, you know, some of, some of the kids, when they come to me, they'll just say, no, this is just impossible. And I assure you, it is not impossible. So when we add, what, where do we normally start? Let's start with the reds on the right. Great, thank you, whoever said that. We start with the reds on the right. So we're trying to add this number plus this one plus this one equals this one. And that's when the kids get confused a little because they think, huh, if I add a red, a red, a red, 
and it has to equal a red, then the only ones they can generally think of are zeros. So if we put in a zero, so then you can see that that last digit could be a zero, but because all the reds have the same value, then that means that the whole thing adds up to zero. So we know that it can't be a zero, even though that makes logical sense initially. So then we think about, well, what else could it be? And sometimes the kids use the guess and check method. So yeah, so we're starting with the ones digit. And so they might say, okay, let's just put two in. And so they might put two plus two plus two is six. Well, they know that the six won't work because that should also be a two if the other ones were two. Um, does anyone have any guesses or anyone's figured it out? It's five. It's five. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of people have figured it out. Wow. Great. Nice, great problem solvers. So we have five plus five plus five is 15. And then the kids think, oh yeah, we, need, we can do that because the 15, you carry the one and then it'll be a five. All right, what about the tens? The tens place value. We're looking at the black one plus another black one plus another black one plus the one equals a red. Anyone? Eight. Thank you. Whoever said eight, really good. So we have, I mean, it's a similar sort of thing. We've got the 24 plus the one. That's going to be a five. And we're going to carry the two. And then we'll look at the last one. And we have three plus two is also five. So well done, yay, you all get gold stars for that. Um, one of my other kids, she was saying to me, once she figured out the fives, she knew that the answer was 555. So what she did was she divided it by three and then got 185. So thank you for that. And I hope you enjoyed that little puzzle. And so this is what we're talking about. Schools are looking for kids who are problem solvers. We don't need human calculators. We have calculators at our fingertips, but we do need kids who can problem solve, who can be in that struggle, who can get that grit and determination. And generally what happens is that they look at math and logic and, and generally when the, their foundation is super strong, um, they can go anywhere with that uh, by visualizing what is it that the problem is asking? How can I work on this? There is a lot of different ways to solve problems and it's about the process and putting the emphasis on the process. And I mean, the answer is important too, but generally when the process is rock solid, your answer will be pretty good too. So, um, so, so yeah, so that's what I do. I don't actually do test prep. We do foundational math and math for life at Math for Girls. And so if you want your kids to join um, uh, a math club, let me know. 
Um, I do focus on girls. And if you want private tutoring, please do let me know. We go from third grade to eighth grade with private. And if you're looking for a math tutor that um, is doing test prep and stuff, Rihanna does that. And uh, uh, please do contact me. You have my details in the handout. Thank you. And I will hand you over to Alex, who is going to tell you some really good things. Oh, one thing that I did learn was where, where whenever you set up these accounts, make sure you have a section where you can put all the account details and the passwords, because those are the things that will come in handy and, um, and so that you can share them with your kid as well. Thank you. And over to Alex. Thank you. So I want to speak just really briefly about the college admissions process, because right now, if you're thinking about the admissions process to high school, probably the last thing on your mind is, oh, no, I have to do this all again in another four years. So first, we'll relax. We're not going to go too deep in the weeds here. And we have two experts here who've been through this process with their own children, and it does work out at the end. So we try and keep the stress to an absolute minimum. So I want to talk about the things that you know, just a very few things that I wish freshman students in high school would think about in their families as it pertains to the college admissions process. So first is that grades start counting in ninth grade. So up until eighth grade, those grades are used for, you know, really just benchmarking, potentially the admissions process to local high schools, but no university is looking at any type of grade before ninth. So this first semester of ninth grade is when everything's reset for the student, and I hate the phrase, we kind of talk about this permanent record concept, but this is the transcript and this is the record of academic performance that will be sent to universities. So letting your student know that the working they've done for the past eight years preparing for high school is setting them up for success. And this is when they need to really lean in and focus on academic success from day one of high school. The second piece to that is course selection, now, particularly for math. It depends on the high school you're going to, and it can vary tremendously based on the curriculum. But I would recommend having a conversation with someone at the high school and say, what trajectory does starting at this math course take me on? Whether you're in algebra and that leads to pre-calc or calculus, and it's really impactful for STEM students. So anyone who is potentially interested in, you know, the engineering's, the, the math, anything that is a natural science or STEM related, going on the right path of math that the student will both be successful in and leads them to the requirements of admission at you know moderately to selective universities is important to have that conversation with someone at the school as you're choosing those courses as an incoming freshman in ninth grade in terms of the actual college process nothing happens during the first year of high school that pertains to college so i think that's the most important thing to take away this is a period of time where we encourage as college counselors academic and extracurricular exploration. Take a class in something that you might not know that much about that you think kind of sounds interesting. You maybe have never been exposed to psychology before. A lot of freshmen don't have a lot of electives to choose from, but take a risk. Try something that you think could be an interesting subject for your student. Same goes outside of the classroom. Finding some interesting extracurricular activities. It doesn't mean that you're padding your resume to be accepted to university because in fact, 
When you apply to college, you have 10 lines of one sentence each, so 10 sentences to describe everything that you've done outside the classroom for the entirety of four years of high school. So you're not sitting here trying to say, I need to find things to fill in here. It's really about that authentic engagement. So encouraging students to try something new, sign up for clubs, sports, drama, you name it. That's what we really want first year students to take advantage of and find out what their niche is. And then the last two years of high school is exactly when the college process really begins. So I'll talk just really briefly about two tests. One is the PSAT. Think of it as kind of the practice SAT. It has no bearing on the admissions process itself, but it's a really good benchmark for a student to sit down for three hours and take this standardized test. And then the SAT and the ACT, you know, typically follow. The hard thing right now is if you asked me to give a presentation five years ago of where the world would be for college admissions, I'd be dead wrong. Everyone in college admissions would have had no idea that the pandemic led to a test optional movement, really selective admissions at certain institutions. And so I say, build relationships with your college counselors on staff. And then also you can look outward. If you're looking for individualized attention starting earlier than junior year, speaking to an IEC or an independent educational consultant is a really good place to start. So that's kind of the pit that I want to leave with you. And we'll probably turn over to questions soon and I'll send it back to, I guess, Chino. Okay, thank you very much, Alex. And so what we're going to do right now is I, I just wanted to give you guys some quick practical tips, things you can do today, and also send you the handout, and then we'll get to the questions. So um, right now, let me go share my screen. So maybe some of you are thinking, what, what can I do right now um, after this webinar? So uh, first thing you can do, uh, research schools. So make sure the school is a good fit. That, that, that's the, the number one thing. Um, don't just choose a school because it has a good name, because it's famous, but think about the school that will fit your child's interests and academic goals. The second thing is create the Ravenna account. Um, in the handout, you'll see a link to Ravenna. And you can start adding the schools to your list once you've researched them and once you, 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 you know which schools you're interested in. And if you can, request admissions materials or information from schools. This means going to their website, clicking on the Contact Us button, um, downloading whatever PDFs they have on file uh, on their website, um, just so that you, 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 you can when you start the application process, you're armed with a lot of information. Um, as I mentioned, read, copy and paste. Actually, this is the important part. Essay prompts, uh, application questions. A lot of the application is going to be, you know, simple information where you can fill out name, address, um, guardians, parents' names, and all that. Um, you can definitely start that. And you can also begin the essay drafts without logging on Ravenna by just copying and paste it, open a Google Docs document with all those um, prompts there, and then you can start typing. Even you parents could do that as well. And really important, start signing up for open houses and shadow visits and interviews. These run out really quickly and you don't want your shadow visits close to um, the application deadline just so you have more time to choose. And even the open houses, usually some schools will have only two to three a year, at least when we were applying, that was the case. So, you know, if you're if the first two are done and you're left with the last one, you know, 
that might not fit with their schedule. So try to get on early. So recommended um, if your kid needs help with essay writing, um, you saw what the, the type of essay they had they had to write and they need help with that, they can start writing and you know, they can do an essay writing class. Rihanna and I are developing a, a workshop focused just on writing essays for the high school application. And we'll send more information about that when it's available. Strengthen your math skills. So if you weren't able to solve that puzzle, <laughs> you can um, go to Valley's um, website and, and see what she offers in terms of math classes early on. Start early. And even with the essay writing, if you have younger kids and you're thinking um, for a few years down the line, um, it's best to start early because um, these things don't happen in a day or in months. It, 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 it takes time to develop this. And of course, consult an independent counselor. Um, if you need that specific guidance, Rihanna is here, Alex is here for, for college, um, and you know they're, they're here to help you out along the way. Okay, so um, that's our presentation. And right now we have time for questions. And if you haven't written it in the chat, please feel free to do so. So what we'll do is we'll um, we have three questions in the chat, and I'll read them aloud for the for the panel to answer. And after that, if you have any more questions, we can ask them aloud. We can have a short dialogue here, um, and um, you know, and if there, if there's any issues or concerns, it's 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 best to bring it up that that way. So the first question we have. And um, this is about, it's a financial aid related question. Um, Christina asks, is it possible that you get accepted to a school, but don't get financial aid? And the answer is yes. So um, I'll, I can speak for, from my experience for financial aid. Um, we did get acceptances from some schools uh, without the financial aid package. Sometimes you'll get waitlisted. And if you get waitlisted, don't expect the financial aid package if um, if you do get in the waitlist. So yeah, the answer is yes, they 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 can um you know give you different levels. It will depend on their formula and all that. Um but did anyone else want to want to add? Have anything to add for financial aid? Nope. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Actually, I have a question. Uh, I just want to know: uh, applying for the financial aid will that uh, lower your possibility, your chance of getting admitted? Because I, I'm, I'm not sure. Will they prefer to have some like a rich person, rich family, <laughs> like that? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, all schools will say no. It doesn't have uh, any bearing. So, I'll go with that. Unless anyone else here has any as as any in, information, Rihanna, did you do you have any information about that? I mean, they really admit the student and the family. They're not like colleges who hire consultants to like run the numbers on like how much money they're going to get out of a certain group of students. So not so much, but yeah, they could admit you because they like you know the student, and then they don't have enough money, or they just don't give you the amount of money you need. I think that's more likely. Okay, thank you. Okay. And also, Xiaofang, your, your next question is, if my kid has friends in the school, will, will that help for the admission or it makes no difference? Friends, um, very, I, I don't think so unless um, 
unless it's a recommendation given by a friend. But I, I wouldn't say it's it's more of a family member because you have that legacy, unless anyone else knows of. Well, the only way the it's not going to count in the actual application the way siblings would. Like it's not going to come up there and it's not going to count for you. But the student can demonstrate more knowledge about the school through talking to their friends and can certainly mention it and, you know, why they wanted to go to school. Oh, my friend has told me about this and this and this that they do. And I love these, you know, activities that they told me about. And they can mention in the interview. It's not like having friends there is going to count for anything. But if you can use that knowledge to say, hey, I know this is a great fit school because I know all about this school, then I think, you know, go that route with it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And if I may speak from experience, um, one of the biggest reasons my kids are in the private school they are right now is because of Valley. Um, her kids were in the same school and um, she, uh, her, her guidance sort of influenced us. Um, her kids shadowed my, uh, my kids and we learned so much about the school thanks to her. So I think that more than anything um, influenced our decision um, and it's a big help. It's a big help if you do have friends in, in, in the same school. Okay, so next question, and this is a good one. Um, what should we consider when deciding public versus private for high school? Will it be difficult for a child who attends public middle school to transition to a private high school, especially at the critical point when grades count? Good question, especially when we have so many good private uh, public schools here in the peninsula in San Francisco. You know, how do how do we balance that? Um, does anyone have any insight to that? I can probably speak about that as someone who worked with students at French American International that about half came from private school, half from public. And it really depended on the public school. So one of the big things is going into an independent school is there's a lot more support available. And a lot of times that's proactive support. So we notice a student may be struggling. One particular case that sort of came to mind is notably in, in science courses, where if you went to a public school that maybe didn't have the resources for robust laboratory sciences, it might be a big jump to go from you know, not having done hands-on experiments like this one student had to being placed in a laboratory. So a lot of times it takes some advocation of the student to explain, this is all new to me. And so that'd be a really extreme example where maybe that student was going to a lower performing public school. The other students that we knew that came from you know, mid-tier or higher performing public schools, the transition I'd say was pretty easy. The hardest part at my particular school was half the students came from the same middle school because we were K through 12 and they all knew each other. And so there's that social component. So one thing to maybe take into consideration, and it doesn't happen at the majority of schools, is what's that social component going to be like if everyone's starting in ninth grade altogether versus if some of the students started together in sixth or seventh or maybe even pre-pre-K school? It's nothing that you can't overcome, but just something to take into consideration when comparing different high schools. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyone else with a private versus public high school? I mean, Bali, I'm kind of curious, you know, as someone who's in SF, um, did you decide on private because of, you know, the, the lottery system? Was that part of it? Well, actually, I was a, I was a very strong advocate of public schools. And uh, both my girls actually started elementary school and public elementary schools, and they went to a Spanish immersion program. 
And um, unfortunately, one year uh, we didn't, my eldest didn't have a good teacher. And that sort of um, took about two years to catch up with the stuff that she missed. And so when we were looking at uh, schools for middle school, we decided because it was just a three-year program that we would look at private middle schools only. And I, I wasn't in, uh, we did look at some of the public ones, but I preferred the private ones. And then my girls went to friends for their private school, um, for middle school, and then they continued on to international high school. And so, yeah, I, I think that there are a lot of great schools out there, especially um, uh, with so many parents in San Francisco trying to support both the public parochial and the private high schools. So it really is, what is it that you want or your kid wants? Where will they thrive? And it's not just one school, there's many schools that they can thrive in. And so to look at those and to look what will fit with you and your family. And so, so from, uh, from when I first started looking at schools to, for my kids to where they ended up, I never would have thought that they would end up in a private school. And any last words from these wonderful educators here? Well, good luck. Um, keep an open mind. There are a lot of really wonderful schools and um, it's a long process, but you will get there and you generally end up in the school that you're supposed to be in. And start what you can now. Like, seriously, <laughs> the sooner you dig in and the sooner you kind of get the sense of where you're applying and what the dates are and what the requirements are and really start to schedule things out, the happier you're going to be around the holidays. Okay, so with that, we'll end um, this webinar. Thank you so much. I'll see your kids in class and, um, and um, have a good or enjoy the rest of your week. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone.